the Justice Losers, the podcast where we talk about pop culture media, namely movies, TVs, and comics. I am staring at Ponyo. My name is Preston, joined as always by my delightful co-host. You did it wrong. Did I? Not just the Ponyo thing. You said, my name is Preston, not I'm your <gasps> host. This is an embarrassment, and I'm ashamed. This podcast is over. No 150 for you, suckers. All right, I'm back. All right. <laughs> yeah, I did mess that up, didn't I? That's yep. This is embarrassing and bad. You've done wrong. And I've probably messed up the blocking. No, you're fine. Cool. Uh, Matt, what should people do? People should like, subscribe. Did you say your name? Bat Matt. Matt, what should people do? <laughs> like, subscribe, tell a friend. Uh, specifically, check out our Instagram. Things are happening. We've got a new logo. We've got a meet your host post for our delightful host. Wait. No, I'm the The adjective the host. host, Preston. <laughs> we'll get one of those for me before too long. Things are exciting. Yeah. I was doing a dance because I realized this isn't video right. public yet. We're so. not we're not videoing um, or releasing the videos yet. Yeah. We have things on Instagram and Twitter. And Twitter. Uh, this apparently. was shared to Twitter and Insta- or and Facebook. So it's on all the social medias. Okay. But we're kind of primarily focusing on Instagram because mm-hmm. uh, that's what our social media expert, AK, is. Uh, I looked right at the camera for that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what she's uh, primarily comfortable with. So she's okay. posting on Instagram and then hitting those like post also to uh-huh. things to the other two. Makes but yeah, sense. no, things are actually happening. Uh, so go check those out. Subscribe to that yeah. and then share it with people and things. Good deal. Dude, I took a weird nap at six o'clock. Like that's like a, a weird time to take like a, nap. a long nap too. Mm. And it's one of those mm-hmm. naps that you wake up and your ears are like all muffled. Ooh. You know that yeah. feeling? Yeah. Yeah. I've had that for like the past four hours. And I just can't hear shit. I can't hear myself. I can't hear you. I could just hear the blood rushing through my skull. Matt, man, I think I'm deaf. <laughs> uh yeah, yeah. Oh, visual humor. Great stuff for a podcast. Yep. Uh, yeah, so go check that stuff out. Mm-hmm. Matt. Preston. What hast thou been up to? I have watched two episodes of Avatar The Last Airbender. Airbender? Airbender. <laughs> uh, Black Sun Part 1, Black Sun Part 2. Yes. Day of Black Sun. It's, uh, things are happening. Things are happening. We're going to get a little spoilery on this one, so. Okay. Um, if you it's... haven't seen Avatar, stop listening to this right now and just go watch it. Yeah. Like that you, can't, it's not even like a stop listening. No, it's like, go watch what, it. What have you done with your life up to this point? That How you have not only it? idiots have not seen Avatar. I say to you who's watching it the first time and following about a month and a half or two months since I've showed my girlfriend it for the first time. Yep. <laughs> so, ah, insult your girlfriend and your best friends, guys. That's how you keep friendships. So. I'm leaving again. Day of Black Sun. I'm not going to do the standing up joke, but the bit is there. <laughs> walk, 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 walk. <laughs> so, spoilers. So, what? Uh... So, it's, uh, that's, uh, it's, for one thing, that was, like, excellent tension building the yeah. first half of that first episode. Uh-huh. Like, that felt like the attack on Winterfell, Game of Thrones, season eight. We're just, like, you're just kind of sitting there, like, what? You know, <laughs> you know it's coming. You know everything's building up, and it's, like, everything is just calculated to get you mm-hmm. on edge for the 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 showdown yeah and then they kind of subvert that mm-hmm. like the the battle itself is is great and there's mm-hmm. you know people fighting and but then they don't give you that climax yeah it's, that is a bold move and it i really is like the, it it is the tv show version of edging <laughs> yeah yes uh something to that effect um yeah no it's uh it's a real apotheosis for Sokka, which is great mm-hmm. um he gets kind of his his big 
moment where everything that he has learned and built to kind of all comes into play, but then it doesn't, we don't get the, the payoff. Mm-hmm. And I think that's actually really good because I imagine that Aang and Katara will get bigger payoffs in the final episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's good to have him get his moment and not be overshadowed. Yeah. Um, I maintain that Sokka is the Ron Weasley of the bunch. And so <laughs> it'd be really easy for him to get uh, overshadowed and um, just kind of swept under the rug. So giving him his moment to shine, mm-hmm. but then also playing it into a subversion. It's great. Good stuff. And it doesn't stop. I will say like in the final, mm-hmm. in the final four, like he also still gets, he doesn't get, yeah. he gets a little overshadowed mostly because it's like, well, yeah, Aang's big O thing, but right. But this is, yeah, this is a great, it's a really good Sokka episodes. Where is Zuko about now? Zuko is chasing after the retreating Aang and friends in yes. a hot air balloon to try to join up with them. He, yes. He stared down Ozai during the, uh, during yeah, the Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Should have just stabbed him, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Should have just did it. In the face, in his stupid, smug little face with his stupid, smug little beard. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you're talking about yourself. Your stupid, smug little face and your stupid, smug little beard. A lot of S's. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> uh, what do you think about the, uh, just the whole, hey, everybody's back? Um, I wasn't excited about it as I was in Endgame when everyone was back, mm-hmm. but I was way more excited than I was in Rise of Skywalker when everyone was <laughs> <Yeah>. back. <laughs> yep. Um, it's, you know, it's nice getting everyone back and everyone has their role to play in the fight. And, mm-hmm. um, it, you know, it works out. Yeah. And it does some really interesting, uh, I've had some, oh, some problems with the day of black sun. Cause there's a couple things where they do some bending, some certain kinds of bending that would have made other situations a lot easier. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why they didn't do those in those cases. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm just going to try not to tenet that where I just think too hard about the rules and it starts to unravel. <laughs> yeah, that, that kind of makes sense. It's uh, it's kind of a nice message, though. You know, like the, the real Avatar state is the friends you made along the way. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. Just thought of that. The real Avatar state is the friends you made along the way. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Cool. So it's uh yeah, good stuff. Really enjoying it. Uh, really looking forward to see how it ends, but I'm going to kind of take my time through it so I can get to those last four. With um, my secret speaker, speaker system. system. Yeah. It's going to be good stuff. Good stuff. What else? Anything which, else? Which is the fifth episode before the end? Uh Oh, the Ember Island Players. Okay. That's the one that does the recap. That's a fun one. Okay. Because I was, I was pretty sure it was that one, but Netflix only has like two more after that because I think it smashes the two-parters together. Probably, yeah. So just wanted to make sure. Yep. All right. yeah, so Ember Island, Ember Island players is the, just the recap of the whole mm-hmm. show. Cool, a fun, goofy one. Let's see. Um, I've been watching a little Hannah Montana over Hannah's shoulder because um, she's going through just Disney shows. It's kind of like a decompress in the evening because she's worked mm-hmm. eighty-hour weeks the past three weeks. Yeah, she ah, worked tax accountants. Yeah, um, she worked uh, thirty-three hours in two days this week. I just would die. Yeah, I cannot. That's not my personality. Like no. I, I commend her and people that can pull that off. Yep. That is not my kind of per- like, I'm like, if it's a Wednesday and I've hit 24 hours that week, I'm fucking out of there. Right. <laughs> it's yeah. nope. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So the problem is she was watching uh, sweet life on deck and Kim possible problem is they got to places in both of them where the next thing you have to watch is a full movie. Oh. And then you watch the, the show. So we're actually, she's almost done with sweet life on deck. It's mm-hmm. like two episodes, movie finale. 
Um, and then Kim Possible has just a couple movies interspersed. Um, and so she started Hannah Montana. And so I've watched a couple of those over her shoulder. And that one's, that one's kind of weak. Yeah. It's a, uh, they just, they hadn't quite figured out the, the tone yet. Sort of the slightly hyper real, mm-hmm. um, kind of feels like a sitcom, but not exactly Yeah, kind of, kind of set up and it just doesn't quite work. It's a, it's a little weird and uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Not great. I vaguely remember the house, like their house, because mm-hmm. it always kind of reminded me of my aunt and uncle's house. Okay. When I was watching it, but all right, yeah. <laughs> it's the only thing I remember. And the, the where Rico worked, mm. or works, I guess, like on the beach. Yeah. The weird beach inside trees or something. Right. Because they don't have. It's just a set, so they don't have. Tr- they don't have the rest of the beach to right. to do a set on. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Not really enjoying it. Yeah. mostly just tune it out when it's on now mm-hmm. but yeah that's that all right um i don't talk about music very often so i have this i'm basically trying to listen to all the music i own which is so much um and i've got this basically a massive playlist where mm-hmm. i take just everything and i put it in there um and so i got to prokofiev's second piano concerto today which is one of my all-time favorites and so i got to listen to that today oh it's really great that's fun it's a you, just, you know, it's got a lot of energy to it, and then it just it keeps building on it. It's it's insane. Like the the first movement, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna do a thing. I'm gonna talk about the, the thing because I love it. Okay, it's so great. The first movement, it's got like this nice kind of quiet lyric first theme where it's um, you know, if it's if you get a snow day, put on the first movement of Prokofiev's second piano concerto, just like the first couple of minutes and watch the snow outside it'll be a religious experience <laughs> right um and then it, it really starts picking up and it gets into like its big climactic cadenza and mm-hmm. um picks up a lot of steam you're like okay whew, all right that was a big emotionally fraught movement let's get something a little more relaxing a little more calm just kind of slow things down nope second movement's a blistering like three minutes and the piano is the entire time doing just mm-hmm. but it's really cool it's fun it's exciting it's okay you're pumped up okay whoo all right, I don't know if I have any more emotional steam left. Get to the third movement. Okay, this is going to be the slow movement, the relaxing one. Nope. It's slow. Um, the best description I've ever heard of the start of the third movement is a mother dragon devouring her young. Um, Christ almighty. Yeah, it's just this pounding, thumping, like, blaring. It's... Let the internet take that one over. (laughs) (laughs) It's good stuff. Um, Then you're like, okay, fourth movement. Just give me some relief. Um, And it starts just with this searing lick in the strings and piano and um, goes into what Mark calls railroad music. So the strings are doing like da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And the the brass, the low brass comes in with just a... a Nice. Good stuff. And then finally... (laughs) Finally, you get that little bit of peace. It does this almost like folk-like melody um, just in the piano solo, and it kind of builds this giant fugal structure off of that. And like the whole middle six or seven minutes of the movement is just all around this this one little melody. And then it kind of ramps back up into the, the exciting stuff and ends, and it's just <sighs> makes me want to go punch a bear or something. I don't know. <laughs> hey, man. That's homophobic. 
anything else moving on <laughs> uh i've been playing in the state's chess cup which is yeah, a you have online tournament um terminant terminant determinant <laughs> um we're playing for team oklahoma um we tied the first match with colorado which is disappointing because um you get so there's four boards you get four points per round then if you win all your team wins all their games mm-hmm. um going into the last round we were up seven and a half to four and a half and we ended up tied eight to eight. Oh, so, bummer yeah kind of let down there um and then we lost a close one to minnesota which is probably the team to beat in the central division mm-hmm. on monday night um nine to seven opportunities all around where we could have pulled it out but yeah you know it's always how it goes yeah. but yeah it's a it's a lot of fun um there's a live stream so oh is that what you sent me yeah okay i wasn't sure what you sent me what, what that was yeah. i mean i pulled it up but like i was like ah it's chess and i was mm-hmm. like is this the chess tournament yeah but you weren't playing so i was just like right that's not it yeah and i thought it was just a chess tournament yeah, so I kind of just ignored it. it. All right. <laughs> I was like, should, I want to see Matt play. Oh, yeah. Matt's not playing. You should you should watch next week. Um, because uh, well, I mean, I'll be playing. There's, I mean, four games going at the same time, mm-hmm. but um, I'll be playing. And the guy who's doing the streaming is actually one of my students. So, oh, so oh, cool. cool. Yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah, it'll be a good deal. Uh, so that's happening. Uh, and then I finished reading Daredevil: End of Days. Yes. Uh, which is a little one-off where it opens with daredevil being beaten to death by bullseye yep and it's kind of just its own separate thing what what about the end of daredevil what would that look like um bendis yeah what a guy yep it all ties up nicely Mm -hmm. Um, nice little bow um not super satisfying conclusion but like i kind of see where it's going it's almost it really reminded me of batman eternal Okay. I don't really know why, but it is kind of like a, a retrospective almost that covers so many different elements from Daredevil's past. Mm-hmm. Um, Punisher keeps popping up, and we get to meet some secondary villains. The The owl is in it, and the purple man po- makes an appearance. Mm-hmm. Little stuff like that. Um, and then it does bookend some stuff from the, the Bendis run very nicely um, and brings together some things in a interesting and i guess thematically satisfying way um don't read this one first (laughs) don't even read this one second among daredevil stories this is one where you need to have a really solid grounding in the character Mm. to actually understand what's going on kind of like um what was the is that batman eternal you need an understanding of batman to read batman eternal i think you kind of do yeah it's kind of why i gave you like a all that Big old yeah. stack of comics. Yeah, I had to catch up, get some background information. Yeah. You know, just understand the character a little better. Yeah. 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 So I finished that. Um, I'm not going to start Brubaker until I can get volume three. So uh, in the meantime, I'll read Outcast and Trees and. I'll lend you 100 bullets. Yes. Do that. Um, and Batman Ego. Ah, I need to get that one. Yeah. I'll lend it to you once I'm done reading it. Mm. Cool. Cool. Anything else? That's it. I have continued to watch Man in the High Castle. You texted me about it. I finished, yeah. I was going to say I told you so in a text, but I thought I'd save it for here. So, told you so. Yeah. So, I finished season three. Mm-hmm. And I looked up reviews, mm-hmm. like just general rating reviews. Apparently, season four is better than two and three. Okay. 
uh, not as good as one. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm interested to see. Uh, and I kind of read like the synopsis uh, reviews of critics, and they're like, it's a fine, satisfying ending. It's not like disappointing, but it's mm-hmm. not like exciting and stuff. Um, <sighs> so the Smith family line that I thought was really interesting kind of suffered from diminishing returns mm-hmm. where like about halfway through I'm like it just seems like the same stuff yeah like the same struggle like yeah it, just struggling with uh John Smith is rising in power while somehow like while simultaneously questioning himself and his family starts questioning themselves and then all this shit and it's just that yeah. constantly um it's still an inter interesting thing mm-hmm. uh her little stint with therapy and that kind of conclusion was uh, something it was a thing it was a thing it happened um but i remember forever ago when you watched through season three your main point was the fact that there's so goddamn many characters there really are there's so i in my mind yesterday Oh no, it was today. I was like going to the bathroom right after I'd finished the last episode. And I envisioned Thomas Jefferson and Hamilton going and uh like his plan is too damn many pages for any man to understand. It's like too mm-hmm. damn many characters for any man to understand. Yeah. It's so hard to just keep track of all of these characters yep. and understand really what's going on. Yeah. Um and then you mentioned how uh there were like towards the end of season 3 they really kind of start nixing some of the big ones, mm-hmm. which they do. Yep. One I did not see coming at all. Right. Uh, and that's the one I text you. I'm like, there's so many characters. Oh, never mind. By character. <laughs> <laughs> like it was within like two minutes of each other. Yeah. Um, and then another character was uh, the keto uh, yeah, story. I did like how that one. I kind of liked that one. That was a, it was a very, I don't want to say wholesome, it kind of was. It's kind of wholesome, but in a in a not way. completely whole person <laughs> ending. <laughs> <laughs> if you know, you know. <laughs> um, but uh, no, that one was good. That that I like that that story wrapped up. Um, I don't know if Keto because that was kind of his whole journey. Like he can that other character kind of intertwined through the whole second and third season. Right. Um, and even the first season. Yeah. yeah. That's, those that are a tie for all three seasons, uh, tie up for all three seasons. Uh, I'm interested to see what they do with him after that. Mm-hmm. Um, his, um, relationship with the, uh, Takami, mm-hmm. Takami, right? To probably Takomi, the trade minister. Right. Uh, his, that, I like that interesting relationship. Cause that's a, um specifically takami's um role and how it's developed i really really like that character yeah like that is i think that's probably my favorite character um just his development and kind of like you get this really interesting when they start introducing the traveling element like you get this really interesting story of him and his history with family and stuff Mm -hmm. where the hell did that go in season three they got too excited about the world building and seeing like what they could do with all these different characters and stop thinking about story. Yeah. 
his character kind of stagnated around Julia. And I don't like that. Um, I'm hoping we get a little bit more with him in season four uh, in that, that aspect. There's a lot of like spoiler stuff that like, uh, this is a show that you really don't want to spoil for people. Cause it, like it builds on itself really well. Yeah. Um, but, uh, what else is there? The, um, uh, Robert Childen, his whole story with Ed, mm-hmm. I, that one goes back and forth from scene to scene, honestly. Yeah. Like there's some scenes with that storyline that is like, please leave this. Yeah. Goodbye. And then there's other scenes where I'm like, I'm, I'm digging the dynamic between Ed and, Ch- and, and Robert. Yeah. They're, um, they're a fun duo, but I, my only impression of that storyline, my only lasting impression was why are these people on screen again? Get yeah. I'm off. I want to see something else. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely one of the, I mean, looking at the general reviews, like, uh, I actually kind of disagree. I think this one's a little bit weaker than season two. I was more into season two, but okay. I guess audience and critics were opposite. I was more into season two, as I recall. Mm-hmm. Also, it was just a little tighter, a little yeah. more focused. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, so I'll see what season four looks like. Uh, I'll tell you if it, Mm-hmm. brings anything interesting it doesn't seem like they it it feels like they shouldn't bring any more aspects it feels Ooh, like they boy, really need to like stick to what yeah. they've got and whoops uh stick to what they've got and tighten that up yeah if they introduce anything else it's just going to become a convoluted mess it's not already it's to me it's teetering like okay. it's just like i that's probably fair it, like it's so close to being such a good show mm-hmm. like if you take maybe one and a half plot threads out of the show, it'd be such a good plot. I think my impression of it is that since it isn't really based on the book, it, like it takes some very loose ideas from it. And the yeah. characters, some of the characters have the same name, mm-hmm. but since it's not based on a specific coherent story and it doesn't feel like they'd ever laid out anything, it yeah. does feel kind of like they're making it up as they go along. Mm-hmm. Um, and for something that, is really something that lends itself well to a beginning, middle, end kind of story. Yeah. It's suffering. It's, yeah. it's not really, it doesn't really work. I think it's, it, it suffers from, we need to come up with a better phrase for it, but it suffers from the bigger is better mm. where like, especially specifically with the traveling traveler, traveler yeah. line yeah. with the Nazis, like what they're doing with it is just like, this is just getting like Star Warsy DC comic-y like this yeah. is kind of loot this it was hovering off ground it was grounded for season one mm-hmm. it was hovering off ground for season two and then it's just like an exponential growth for season three yeah it just turns into a ridiculous sci-fi thing and at this point in season four it's either just going to be like ridiculous sci-fi constantly get absurd uncomfortable sci-fi or just plummet back to grounded and none of them are particularly enticing situations <laughs> yeah it's gonna be a mess either way yeah um so if i had to recommend something about this show to people i would say just watch season one you can kind of just leave it at that honestly. yeah it bookends it nicely with like some ambiguity and you yeah. want to see where things go but like it's a it's a self-contained story mm-hmm. sort of yeah 
And then just uh, do what we tell people with Game of Thrones, where you just kind of like fantasize about what happens at the end. And then go read the book or something. Go read the book or something. <laughs> I want to reread the book. I feel like I didn't really appreciate it the first time through. How big is it? Is it the biggest Dune? No. Okay. It's probably 250 pages. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, yeah. And that, that I've been doing that. And then I've also been reading a little bit of comics. I've been reading Justice League 3000, mm-hmm. which Keith Giffen... Dude, not your best work. <laughs> he's not terrible as far as I can remember. He's not a name like Dan Jurgens or Rob Liefeld that sticks out as just like a, a bad writer. Yeah. Um, but I don't think uh, he's not a Jeff Lemire in his prime by any means. Mm-hmm. I would put like, man, after reading that Green Arrow run, I would put, so if I'm looking at tiers and there's like tier one, which is Bendis and Brubaker and that whole crew. Mm-hmm. Which uh, is... 50 feet of crap below Alan Moore, but yeah, no, we're not going to talk. He's, he's just Alan Moore's the JS Bach. Of yeah. The comic world. Um, I would say t- tier two is, uh, Jeff Lemire. Like, okay. Good, solid stories. Uh, not particularly like groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about the fact that like on my way home today, I was thinking about the fact that I say not particularly groundbreaking a lot. Yeah. And I need someone to go back and mention and do a super cut of me saying, yes, that. we do. Um, gauge that's on you. Oh boy, dude. He's, he's just he'd probably do it (laughs) probably (laughs) um but but good but good line uh good storylines good interesting stuff to read um and then i would put keith giffen where like his stuff's kind of okay it's he's fine there yeah there's there's good runs um but when you put him in a situation with jeff lemire where he's being thrust into three lines puts his effort into one and then lets the other two slack then keith giffen's lower lines become is it i swear it's giffen but yeah, like Keith Giffen's Giffen. name. Yep. Got it. Giffen. Or don't you mean Keith Giffen? G- Listen, that's how you say it. And I will die it's on this. how I say it. I, <laughs> G- it's Giff. I will die on this. I will die on this hill. Yeah. You're going to die. This you're is the hill die. that I will die on. Uh, oh, okay. Keith Giffen did 52. Hey, sit down. Fool. Ah, oh God. <laughs> um, no, he's done a whole lot of stuff. Uh, now I'm remembering. Um, he did the. Uh, he did the. Oh, he didn't write fifty two. That's Plotter. Ah, this is not important. But okay, so basically, what Justice League three thousand is basically in three thousand, uh, the year three thousand, like the thirty first century. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Wonder Twins. Wonder powers. Wonder activate. who they are. Uh huh. Um, they have done a, they're like the, as far as I remember, they're the ones that are like form of and shape of like a bucket of water. There's a joke that I got that from, but like they can shape shift, but Uh, they need to like connect their rings or some shit. I don't know. I can't remember. It sounds pretty comic booky. Yeah. It's very comic booky. Um, I actually didn't know if that's the same wonder twins, I could be wrong, but I didn't know that those wonder twins were in DC and then mm-hmm. these two showed up and I was like, Oh, are these DC? Are these the same wonder twins? But they never do their powers. They're just super smart. Yeah. Uh, but they basically reanimate the justice league okay. in a way that it's actually kind of interesting. So I'm not going to spoil it in case anyone now nah, I'm going to spoil it. Basically what they do is they overwrite a living person's DNA with the DNA of a, of a, uh, uh, justice league mm-hmm. member. So it gets 
a chunk of their powers and like some of their fractured memories and like fractured personality. So it's like Superman and a very egotistic Superman mm-hmm. that can jump and fly or jump really well. And like, mm-hmm. is pretty str- like the classic faster than locomotive leap over tall buildings, but he can't fly. He doesn't have laser vision and stuff like that. Okay. Um, Batman is just kind of odd. Uh, Flash gets really nauseous when he runs really fast. Uh, <laughs> I'm so tired of that joke, but I know it's going to keep happening. <laughs> it's um, never not because we aren't even on video yet. So I, know. I haven't like this has all been practice. Good, um, but it's a kind of an interesting story. But it it's the writing's kind of eh. Yeah. There's so much interesting potential with that, like mm-hmm. with the fracture justly, because Batman and Superman are just bickering all the time, and there's Green Lantern who's just like. You guys used to be best friends. What's happening? Hi, guys. I'm really good at flying those little remote control planes or, like, drones and stuff. Because he's kind of a pilot, but not really. (laughs) I tried. I don't know, man. (laughs) Um, No, but he, like... And then there's one... There's, like, the five, which are, I think... I guess five new enemies. Like, new villains that are newly introduced in this. And one of them is really interesting, because she's a omni-powerful 13-year-old girl. So she has the temper tantrums of a child, but she can literally shape reality. And it's kind of interesting what she does. She's just like... She gets obsessed. Like, she's mm-hmm. like... Uh, horm- uh, just hormones like crazy. Mm-hmm. So she gets obsessed with Hal Jordan mm-hmm. and just like... And shrinks him so that he's, he's her little like love pet thing. And she's just like, I mean, it's less weird in the comic than than that I described. Is it? Um, <laughs> but it, it's kind of an interesting, interesting character. I yeah. wish I got a little bit. I wish she was put in a better story. Mm-hmm. Um, Moral of the story: Teenage girls are terrifying. True. Uh, wow, he seems to be very responsible for Lobo, which makes a lot of sense. I do remember seeing his Lobo, like his name all over Lobo stuff. So. We'll see if that stuff's good. On the Lobo logo. Logo, logo, bo. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's all I've been doing. All right. I'd, I'd recommend Altered Carbon for your next show. I think they're only doing the two seasons. Uh-huh. It's a lot of fun. It's not crazy dense. Well, I got to finish all the shows. I'm looking for shows yeah. that I haven't finished yet. Okay. Yeah. For, a new, one to, for a new one to start. Because okay. there's only like 20 episodes total. Oh, okay. But it's good stuff. Cool. Yeah, I was... I mean, I think I mentioned this last episode that I'm working on trying to finish all the shows that I've half watched. Right. Um, cool. Cool. News. News. You want to start with the big one? A big one. We got a Mandalorian trailer. Boy, did we. So. It's going to be really emphatic. And then I half dropped my phone and it kind of was like a boy. Wait for a moment. Did we? Awesome. I'm really milking this. I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> I'm tired. It's Wednesday night. Uh, yeah. No, it looks really good. I'm, I am excited. Um, yeah. It is. So he's got to track down Jedi, mm-hmm. which my coworker Dwayne mentioned that it's kind of interesting that um, the Jedi aren't really that long dead. Yeah. They're really only like 40 years dead. Yeah. When you think about it. So... Surely there's someone that's a little more long-lived than Obi-Wan that's holed up on a swamp planet somewhere. Or not a swamp planet. That was where Yoda ended up. Ice planet somewhere. Ice? From the trailer. Huh? 
Didn't we see Ahsoka on the ice planet? No. Wasn't that her? Are you talking about the person with the yeah. with the hood? No. That's a who was that? Um they confirmed who that was. Yeah. It's a character, it's a it's a cast member that we didn't know was cast and we don't know what her role is. Okay. She looked like the character like uh the the actress who is playing Bakatan, who is a Mandalorian from the Rebels show. Mm. who is cast and in this show she kind of has a vaguely same similar nose and kind of jawline okay um so i thought that was her but it's uh mandalorian season two uh who was that give me give me the answer give me the answer really quick please it's not giving me the answer really quickly here we go uh first look at uh, it's just the picture with a whole bunch of question marks around it that's not goddamn helpful well it's a mystery. It's a mystery that has been answered somewhere that yep. I read, and it's a character that we don't know who she is. Let us know on Twitter. But. Just Us Losers Pod. Yes, I am waiting for Ahsoka. I am stoked for Ahsoka. You're a stoked I'm a stoked Yes, those. Rashida Jones. Rashida Jones. Hell yes. <laughs> um, Rashida Jones? No. Rosario Dawson. Rosario Dawson. <laughs> Why do I always mix the two of them up? I mean, I've always done it. Like, if you why go back to... Mix, of anyone, why would you mix them up? I don't know. They have kind of unusual first names that start with an R. Yeah, I think that's pretty much what it is. Um. Yeah, no, so we get X-Wings. Yeah, we do. And we get some good shots of some cool things. And then we get the cutest Baby Yoda uh, instance so far. That's uh, it's a tough... Tough thing when he's playing with the little balls. I would, I would argue that this one's cuter. Where he's like, this one's a cuter. Like this one's cuter because he's he's aware of what's going on now. Right. He's less just oblivious, but it's just like once he sees like the missiles like pop up, he's like, I'm out, yo. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of cute. Yeah. It was a good moment. Yeah. I I'm so ready for this. Um, it's dropping in a month and a half. Yeah, October 30th. Mm-hmm. Coming soon to Disney Plus near you. Yeah, we've got a wedding to go to deal with all that those days. Yeah. A lot of the people that are really into that show, like Carter is so into that show, mm-hmm. but he's best man in that wedding, and we're groomsmen in that wedding. Yep. So we're just going <laughs> to, the three of us are going to be sitting in that wedding going, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, it's out, it's out, it's out, it's out, it's out. We're going to be sitting at the rehearsal dinner, like looking at like our phones, like, oh my yep. God, it's out. <laughs> <sighs> Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that'll be cool. Cool. What else? Uh, Tenet is not making very much money. Eh, shocker. Um, I mean, shocker because of theater restrictions. Right. People were, the theaters and studios were hoping that it was going to make at least some money, but it made $20 million opening weekend and $6.7 million last week, mm. which is going to be a massive loss to the uh, screen went black yeah i, uh, I got the mouse over so i could fix that if it did but you've I brought it back. you've you've messed up the thing it's it's wrong ah. you can keep talking i'll be back to the- this is true uh yeah so this is seen as a bad sign this is probably the reason that wonder woman was pushed back this is probably the reason that um shit <laughs> uh, i have to type the Ah. this is probably the reason that everything else is going to get pushed back um no time to die the james bond movie is at this point the only major studio project i think that has not been pushed back officially um 
So, yay that one, I guess. Yeah, we were talking about the uh, annual Christmas episode. It's going to be a sparse one. There are two movies that have had a Chris in it. Mm -hmm. So we're going to figure out what we're going to do with that. Yep. Yep, yep, yepers. Yeah, so it's a shame, but also that's probably inevitable what was yeah. going to happen. Um, Speaking of No Time to Die, there was like a promotional video on the villain. Um, shows a little bit of new footage. Looks cool. Uh, Remy Malik says he wanted the character to be unsettling, which is always a good thing for the villain to feel like, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see. We got a trailer for The Trial of the Chicago 7, um, which is written by Aaron Sorkin. Um, who has done, I mean, written a lot of good stuff. West Wing. Um, oh, cool. It's got a pretty stacked cast. Um, Eddie Redmayne, Yaya Abdul-Mateen II, Mark Rylance, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen, Michael Keaton, um, William Hurt, a few others. Yeah, let's just read the whole cast list right now. <laughs> yeah, just the ones that I've heard terrible. of. Um yeah, looks looks good. Um, looks interesting. Don't really know about the history, but I guess I'll learn about it mm -hmm. or something. Um, let's see. Love and Monsters trailer. I don't actually care. Um, the movie that Zendaya and John David Washington shot under quarantine, um, Malcolm and Marie, uh, is coming to streaming. Uh, it's coming to Netflix. Netflix paid $30 million for it. Yes. Cool. I'm mm -hmm. excited for that. Mm -hmm. uh, I like Zendaya. I like John David Washington. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know Sam Levinson, the director and writer. Um, he's the guy who did Euphoria on HBO, which is the one with Zendaya that apparently just had a ridiculous amount of drugs and nudity. Oh, fun. Um, so I might have to check that out at some point. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm excited. It's cool. Yep. Sounds cool. Uh, it's Sasha Banks. Is the woman in the hood. Mm. Yeah. We don't know who she is. There's been speculation that she's Sabine Wren. Wren. Don't know who the fuck that is. Kylo's little sister. With a W. Oh. So, woman Wren. W Wren. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Maybe. Makes sense. Uh, it's hinting at that she's a Jedi, so we'll see what, what happens there. Uh, yeah, we should get into the content. Oh, hold on. I've got two more news items. Oh, my gordness. Uh, Jonathan Majors is apparently going to play King the Conqueror in Ant-Man yeah, 3. I saw that. That is... There's a lot of speculation that that's going to be the next Thanos. Yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> kind of feels like if they're going to just drop him as the villain in an Ant-Man movie, that maybe he's not going to be that. Maybe they're going to do kind of a stripped-down version of him. Yeah. Um, You know what? Knows? Maybe he's not the real one. Yeah. Maybe we're going to get another ten, yeah. 10 rings, like Mandalorian and 10 rings situation. Because we are going to get the real Mandalorian in a couple of years here. Yeah. Which I'm excited for. Um, And then uh, Disney has responded to the controversy around Mulan. I'm going to just, I'm going to read, there's an extensive quote. Oh and, no. Um, I'm just going to, I'm going to read this quote. I'm going to stare directly into the camera so that my reactions are very authentic. All right. Try to keep them quiet. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> uh, this is from uh, Disney CFO Christine McCarthy. Um, quote, I'm not a box office prognosticator, but it has generated a lot of publicity. Let me just put something into context. 
The real facts are that Mulan was primarily shot almost in its entirety in New Zealand. In an effort to accurately depict some of the unique landscape and geography of the country of China for this period drama, we filmed scenery in 20 different locations in China. It's common knowledge that in order to film in China, you have to be granted permission. That permission comes from the central government. Uh, She goes on to say, quote, It's common practice to acknowledge in a film's credits the national and local governments that allowed you to film there. So in our credits, it recognized both China locations and locations in New Zealand. I would just leave it at that, but it has generated a lot of issues for us. Yeah, no duh. Let me paraphrase. So you guys don't like that we filmed in this one place that's committing atrocities. We also filmed elsewhere. Let me, um, let's go, let's, uh, let's flash back to, uh, Kevin Spacey. Yeah, I raped that kid. I'm gay, though. (laughs) Unrelated. Yeah. Not addressing the controversy. No. Trying to just, like, circumvent the issue entirely. Yeah. Bad. Dumb. Horrible. (laughs) Not helping yourself, Disney. That was, that was a non-apology. God. That is a non-apology if I ever heard one. I mean, she literally didn't say I'm sorry. She's just saying, yeah, this has generated some issues. Like the next step would be saying, I'm sorry you feel this way. Yeah. (laughs) That's Jesus Christ. uh, Not good. No. How is such a giant corporation so bad at publicity? Like surely they have like a marketing team or something that would like, that's looking at decisions and going, let's not. You know, I understand that you want like, I guess West Asian. They wanted landscapes that were authentic to like the setting. I'm pretty sure Mulan takes place in Eastern China in more like hilly areas and shit. I don't know. Like Western China's arid. Mm-hmm. That's not, I haven't seen the animated movie, but I've mm-hmm. seen like stuff. I've seen reflections. Mm-hmm. That's not an arid climate. No, I mean, but there are, there are mountains in Western China and yeah, there's also mountains in Eastern China. Yeah. China's <laughs> big and geographically diverse. That's the point I'm trying to make. No, that's, I mean, you know what the problem is? Problem is if the, what the problem, <laughs> the, the big problem is that they don't want to lose the Chinese market. And so if they come out and they actually say, yeah, this is a problem. We think that the things that China is doing is bad. Disney never plays another movie in Chinese theaters and they'll lose out on hundreds of millions of dollars. They do. They back themselves into a corner. Yeah. This could have been avoided at the very beginning. Yeah. This isn't like green it's, screen, the dang thing. Yeah. Like, Oh my God, you, you're putting a little bit of budget into Mandalorian and they pull off a revolutionary special effects technology. I didn't realize that most of that stuff was not on location. Yeah. Use that! You throw in $200 million at this movie. Come on. Bad. Bad, dumb, and stupid. Very bad. Two thumbs down, says this critic. Three thumbs down, says this critic. I will build... Four thumbs down, I can't... (laughs) (laughs) All right, I don't want to talk about them anymore. All right. Want to talk about content? Yeah, let's talk about content. So, Gage asked forever ago Mm -hmm. hey guys 
why is why is popcorn the thing? Why is popcorn the particularly pop with thing? movies? <laughs> right. <laughs> let's, uh, let's clarify that part. Yes. Like, and uh, there's a bit of an overarching question with this. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, I had a burp. It tastes like pumpkin. It's fall, y'all. Uh, oh, it's not. It's. It's like a week from fall, but it's like a week from fall. Yeah. Um, Frodo's birthday's coming up. And how, uh, how we have the, the movie theater exp- uh, the movie theater experience is unmistakable. Mm-hmm. And anything that's like this cemented into Western culture mm-hmm. <laughs> is uh, is has a rich history. Yeah. And I'm going to clarify this in case this, like we ever get really, really famous from because of our kick-ass marketing team. Woo. We actually, the movie experience is, is I feel more American than apple pie. People use apple pie, like baseball and apple pie and Betty white. Is that the other one? Something like that. (laughs) The movie experience was almost completely developed in America. Yeah. Through my history, so mm-hmm. we're gonna we're gonna have two parts of this episode. All right, ooh, two parter, two parter. Well, we're not. It's not two episodes. Double the box office receipts. <laughs> That's not how this works. But nope. I'm rolling with it. Uh, the first part is gonna be me breaking down the history and how we got to this point of mm-hmm. why like, it's kind of centered around popcorn specifically, like why popcorn is the snack food of movies. Okay, which has a pretty interesting story on its own. All right, we're doing and a also whole just how on the movies, mm-hmm. but also the second part, which is. Also, this episode, like I'm just mm-hmm. splitting into two, is modern day how this how a movie experience is correlated or related or battling out people's attention with Netflix, which I'll get to. Mm-hmm. And Quibi, get the hell out of here! <laughs> I saw Quibi advertised <laughs> it on one of my news articles. <laughs> so, so I have a confession to make. You said this episode was going to be about popcorn, and I misheard you when I was doing my preparing and notes, so I researched a lot of cop porn. We can do that episode. I've got that notes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, this all starts back in 1905. The popcorn doesn't hit until uh, 1925, but uh, <laughs> we're starting with the movie theaters. So, basically... Dmitry Shostakovich wasn't even born yet. Wow. <laughs> There's going to be like four listeners that are just like, oh shit, he's right. Like, <laughs> Well, we only um, have four listeners, so that's okay. So in 19, 1905, Nickelodeon formed. No, this one, you're, you're pulling the wool over my eyes on this one. This is fake. Nickelodeons were the theater. They were called Nickelodeons because you paid a nickel. That makes so much sense. That blew my goddamn mind. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Like a a place where you pay a nickel. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my gosh. Nothing will ever be the same. (laughs) I didn't know. I feel like you're being sarcastic, but this actually blew my mind. (laughs) That legitimately just blew my... That's really cool. Yeah. So so Nickelodeons were... It was like uh, by 1907, so like over two years, Mm -hmm. there were 3,000 Nickelodeons like over the United States. Like it, it... Exploded really quickly. Wow. Um, and then by 1914, like I'm jumping a little ahead, 27% of Americans would go to Nickelodeon's. Like it mm-hmm. really quickly went to this like movie theater experience. Mm-hmm. Um, by about 1910, so the, the Nickelodeon's were just these kind of like places where people would go and watch like 
silent films and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the at 1910, basically what they would start doing is like you know vaudevillian entertainment, yeah, which is the kind of acts and stuff like that. What mm-hmm. they would basically do, what these vaudevillian theaters would do, is when there's not an act in town, they would just straight up play a silent film to keep people coming in. Smart. So these theaters that are built a bit larger. Mm-hmm. So instead of going to a tent or something for like Nickelodeon stuff, you'd mm-hmm. actually be in a theater that has the marquee and stuff like that. And that's kind of like that early development of the classic theater image. Okay. People would go to these stages where they would just drop a screen down and play a silent film. Mm-hmm. And about 1920 is when they started introducing musicians to play along. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would come in form of like bringing someone... back Dmitry Shostakovich. One of his jobs while he was a teenager was playing the piano to accompany the cinema in. Oh, uh, hell yeah. Yeah. St. Petersburg. Yeah. So, Oh, it, so it, wait, when, when, when was he a thing? Uh, he was teenager doing that in the, that would have been, um, twenties, early twenties. Okay. So yeah. The, so they had made it to the East by then. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess the non-American West. I St. Petersburg's probably still West. Yeah. Um, so, so the musicians started coming in and it kind of started developing the, the, the movie experience of like watching a movie and the like, sound and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, and in 1925, primarily movie experiences were for the lower class. Like it was mm-hmm. the people that like, like the, the higher class would go to like operas and shit. Right. Maybe. <laughs> Classic people still go to operas. But it was primarily for the lower class. So mm-hmm. what they would start to do is start retrofitting these theaters and kind of building new theaters to, to, to um, cater more to the upper class. Mm-hmm. And so they would be adding uh, air conditioning uh, larger sitting areas so they could like more spacious uh, and like the, the buildings just overall looked fancier. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, I'm just going to put this caveat in here. Oh God. I'm kind of whitewashing this a little bit. Mm-hmm. There's a whole lot of racist shit that happened during oh, all this. Yeah. No, of course. Like the, like people of color were forced to sit in like the balconies, which mm-hmm. now you'd want to, but yeah no, back then like i i'm skipping past the political implications of all of this stuff yep just because we don't have time to delve into that one of the movies that redefined movies was the pro clan movie um birth of a nation yeah 1914 dw yep. griffiths yep um so they started attracting more people but before there was really like a whole bunch of like there was music, but like it wasn't for everything. It was mm-hmm. still silent films. People were resistant to bring snacks into movies because it's the sound of snacking. Um, so, uh, hang on a second. Read my notes. I wrote too many notes on this particular bullet point. Okay. I'll continue to make snacking noises until you say something cogent. Okay, cool. So the, basically the music, once the music started hitting it, so up until the 1920s when music started, mm-hmm. I reread my notes. I was incorrect. I'm fixing it. Retrospective or uh, retcon. Um, up until 1920, everyone was resistant. Mm-hmm. But then once they started introducing sounds and music into it, then people were like, all right, we can kind of have snacks and stuff. Yeah. And But the theaters wouldn't sell snacks. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of know what happened in the 1920s, right? In America? There was some roaring. Well, the other side. The Depression? The Great Depression. It was like the very end of the 20s. Yeah. So, towards the end of the 20s. Towards the end, there's like a month left. 
Was it really? Yeah, it was like okay. October 1929. Yeah, so I'm getting to that. Okay. So in the 20s mm-hmm. was when sounds started happening and like people would like bring in snacks and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Then the Great Depression hit. And popcorn is uber cheap because you can buy like vendors would buy giant bags of popcorn and then it would it's it's cheap because it, it pops and then you get a lot more right. volume for very little so it was just a cheap thing to make and it was also super cheap to buy mm-hmm. so vendors would just kind of camp outside of uh uh movie theaters okay and sell popcorn to people that were going to see movies to escape the fact that they are in sad and miserable lives of the great depression <laughs> so you're saying you Back then, they didn't have to come up with increasingly elaborate and convoluted ways to sneak snacks into movies? Nope. They would just walk right in. Literally, people would be outside selling the snacks, and that was the thing. What a time. Then, movie theaters were like, hey, all right, you know what we could do? We got all these vendors that are, like, chilling outside, wanting mm-hmm. to sell stuff. They're on our property. Yeah. We're going to charge them. We'll basically pay, like, they will pay us mm-hmm. to camp outside and sell popcorn. Rent sidewalk space. Yeah, kind of yeah. makes sense. And so popcorn just became, like, they were like, I mean, there's these people just already doing it. Let's just do that. Let's sure. just charge them to do it. And about the mid-30s, they were like, what if, why are we paying these people to just sell things that we could sell? Mm-hmm. Let's cut out the middleman. Let's do it. So... They started, uh, like, new theaters would install things in there. Like, the, the the old theaters were not built to handle concessions. Mm-hmm. So the new theaters would, and they would kind of try to, like, retrofit a little bit to have concessions. And they cut out the middleman to just do their own popcorn. Mm-hmm. And basically, yeah, and here's, I have this this bullet point, is uh, the lines of the rich in the war zones. That's good. It's a I don't understand it yet. It's a but... reference to World War II. And basically, that makes sense because *Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe*. The inciting incident is like World War II, sort of. It's like the first paragraph of the book. And everyone flocked to the movie theaters. Yeah. Because World War II, the government would basically do a shit ton of propaganda. Yeah, newsreels. Newsreels. I remember and stuff. my Captain America. First yeah. Avenger. Yeah, Good when stuff. when First Avenger came out mm-hmm. back in nineteen forty. Too. There was a Captain America movie that came out in the 40s. Ah, remember when Christopher Columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1942? <laughs> so, so, people were flocking to the movies. Boy, were they. Because they were just like, man, this is really depressing. And movies were good at this point. Movies were getting good. Like, yeah. they were talkies. Like, people yeah. could actually, you know, The Great Dictator and stuff like that. Yeah, 1939 is one of the best years in movie history to oh, this day. Yeah. Gone with the Wind, uh, and so Wizard of Oz. People were going to the movies, and these concessions were selling popcorn, candy, soda, all the bits and bobs. This sounds familiar. But. But. There was a sugar ration. Mmm. So they couldn't sell two of those three things. And they were like, you know what? Let's just sell more damn popcorn. <laughs> and so this is really kind of when the uh, the 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 gourmet ish, mm-hmm. like when they were just like, okay, so the only thing they can have is popcorn. Mm-hmm. Let's put some butter on it. Sure. And at that point, it moved from white corn to white, uh, yellow corn. Okay, which is what we use now. Um, and because at that point, yellow corn pops a little bit more yellow, so it kind of gives the impression that there's butter on it. Mm-hmm. 
let's trick these people. Oh, <laughs> capitalism. Um, and so they started selling popcorn and they really like, and they really just hammered the audiences with coming to the concessions. Mm-hmm. That's when let's all go to the movies. Let's all go to the movies. Let's all go to the movies and have ourselves a snack. That's when that happened. Oh, that that's an actual sense. thing. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I always thought that that was just like a joke thing that happened in like cartoons, but that was an actual thing they played in the middle of movies mm-hmm. because yeah. movies had to have intermissions. They're yeah. Four hours long. So that's when like half of popcorn consumption happened in movie theaters. Wow. Like it's just the thing. Like that's where you got popcorn and that's what you did when you were there. Cup Scouts hadn't been invented yet. So there wasn't a outside <laughs> <Yeah>. competitor. <laughs> um, and then in the fifties, mm-hmm. what do you think happened in the fifties? What's a big kind of like household thing that happened in the fifties? Uh, so Stalin died, which meant that Shostakovich was able to publish and perform stuff like the 10th symphony and the first violin concerto that would have not sat well with the leader and teacher. Wow. All right. Well, that was my next bullet moving on seventies. No. (laughs) So the fifties is when TV became prominent, became a prominent household utility. Of course. And so this, there's this whole thing where basically everyone was like, Hey, we've got these screens in our house. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't need to go to the movie. And popcorn companies were like, shit, no. So they invented the Cub Scouts to push the product. (laughs) That's what, uh, oh, what's his name? (laughs) Bowden? But, uh, Powell, 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 I don't remember his name. Powell? I think it's Powell. Over the guy that founded the Boy Scouts. Mm -hmm. Also, you keep saying Cub Scouts, Boy Scouts, we're first. Yeah, but Cub Scouts are the one that sells the popcorn. Boy Scouts sell too. Oh. Yeah. It's Boy Scout popcorn. Was the thing? It's like Girl Scout cookies. It's Boy Scout popcorn. Thought it was Cub Scout popcorn, but okay. Cub Scout cop porn. Ooh, I just got put on about thirteen different watch lists right there. <laughs> this isn't even out yet, and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> um, so this company started. This is when microwave popcorn happened. Oh. and they were like, "Well, okay, so started happening." Yeah, so they were like, "Okay, uh, how are we gonna get people to still buy our popcorn? Let's just put it in little easy packets and." Let them buy it and make it home. Mm -hmm. And so that's when commercials started happening and it, and they perpetuated the connection between popcorns and movies because these popcorn companies would advertise it as with your midweek movie or whatever. Mm -hmm. So the popcorn advertisements were saying, this is you watch movies with popcorn, right? Which is like basically phase three of the cementing people, like Mm -hmm. the, the connection between movies and popcorn. Makes sense. And now, that that's basically when that like that was basically just it the rest is history. Mm-hmm. I mean the the article I was reading was basically uh they invented the uh electric popcorn machine back in like 1930 something and the rest is history and I'm like now nah, you're still missing about like 20 years of history. There's some important components there but um so the next part part 2. So that's my history lesson. Okay. Let's get past the, that. Thanks for the history. Yes. 2020 Unless you're listening to this later, mm-hmm. it's 2021. And there's a whole lot of streaming services out there. But like, so so that that's the answer to the popcorn question. I answered the popcorn question. That's how pop, why popcorn is a thing. Mm-hmm. Now I want to talk about the movie theater experience itself. Why people go to movie theaters and how the movie theater experience is able to hold its own in a culture of streaming services. 
And why Christopher Nolan refuses to release his movie direct to streaming. <laughs> so I sat, I, I thought about this a little bit mm-hmm. and then I realized that you and I are the wrong people to answer that question. Yeah. Explicitly like, uh, uh, without exterior aid because the movie theater experienced us is less about the experience unless it's something big. Like we're going to go fucking watch tenant. Mm hmm. Because it's more of, I was going to say chore, it's more a job. Like, we have to go watch the movies to review the movies because that's yep. part of what we do. Yep. But the casual moviegoer, we've talked about, like, mm-hmm. the casual movie goes to see about two, three moves a, moves a year. Right. Roughly about beginning of summer and, like, well, over the summer, but mm-hmm. mostly beginning of summer and around Christmas. Yep. So I was like, well, I can't answer why why I do this because I have a very specific reason so I'm gonna ask my girlfriend, who is the quintessential casual, casual moviegoer. I'm disappointed in you, man. Eh, I'm trying. She didn't like Blade Runner, the original. Yeah, neither did I. See, and when she was like, "I didn't like it," I was like, "You know, I'm not a huge fan of it either." But you need to have seen this one in order to know what the hell is going on in 2049. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Just in 2049 in real life. You oh will, yeah, back you will to watch it to have seen Blade Runner <laughs> yeah. to understand. Back to watch it up to I watched Blade Runner and oh. the boy, it's got some interesting symbolism throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. But then Ridley Scott's just like, you know what I want to do? I want to do a fight scene that is literally only symbolism and is just so confusing. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's a mess. Back to the topic. So she gave me two reasons. Okay. The first reason is the one that is a bit harder to explain and it gets a bit more social, like uh, not socialism, uh, sociology and psychology, but it's, it's a social thing Yeah. where she goes with friends. It's a, it's a, it's an outing you do with your friends mm-hmm. at our age. Right. Um, and then I, I could have asked my parents or we can find a, young you know, parents it's with a little, young kids. It's a little family thing. Yeah. Like growing up, we were relatively casual movie watchers and it'd be like, Hey, well, this movie looks like a good movie. Let's put together a family outing and go see it this mm-hmm. weekend. So, I want to get into that because I think we're in a weird pivot point. But mm-hmm. the second point is, uh, it's it's there's a movie that she really wants to watch and doesn't want to wait to watch it. Okay, that is something that stream that that is not going to change. The streaming service isn't going to change that because, like. Like uh, movie uh, film studios mm-hmm. want to make money, right? So they're going to send it to movie theaters, and if you really want to watch it, you're going to go see it wherever it is. And unless they do it straight to streaming services, which they're not, because they can't make money. Oh, bunch of money off that. Mm-hmm. They can, but uh, until something really changes, it's more profitable to send it to movie theaters. Unless you're yeah. in a pandemic, I I think long term. It's not going to hold up. It's going to fade. Yeah. But until we know what the reason that it's going to change, like what Netflix is going to offer, mm-hmm. um, it's going to stay that way for that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, Netflix is going to build a theater into the home of every single person who is a subscriber. It's going to be like a um, like a hologram thing where it's just going to like over it. Oh, that would be cool. That actually would be really cool. Um, but back to the back to the thing. Mm-hmm. So we grew up. We did. We're, we're trying up. to grow up. <laughs> I don't feel grown up. We have a podcast on pop culture media, mainly, namely movies, even comics. We're nerds and children. Yeah. That's the end of this episode. 
Hi, guys. Uh, no. Uh, so we grew up in a time where there wasn't streaming services. So to us growing up, there was that. Let's mm-hmm. let's go and do this thing. Right. But then when Netflix started, it was the direct or like DVD. DVDs in the mail. And it yep. drastically reduced the number of times that we would go. Like, I, I also do remember, like, the mm-hmm. two or three times a year that we would go see a movie. If we went up to, uh, north to Minnesota to see family up there, we would go see a movie. Like, I would, mm-hmm. I mean, we still kind of do that if we go up there ever. Mm-hmm. And it's always funny because we go see a movie that I've already seen because yeah. we reviewed it. And meanwhile, there's me going like, oh, God, we're going to go see, we're going to go see Rise of Skywalker. No. Yeah. <laughs> um. Or, uh, oh, uh, one year we went up, we saw Thor Ragnarok, and I was like, oh, hell yeah, I'll go see that one again. Yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, growing up, it was that. It was the, let's go do that. Mm-hmm. So what's interesting is what I want to talk about mainly is now shifting our age 15 years, mm-hmm. parents with young kids, what they're doing now. Mm-hmm. because we didn't have that. So we don't have that experience. We're stuck in this weird thing where we don't have kids and we are not kids. Right. Um, I mean, I don't have kids. I don't know about you. No promises. Yeah. You've got like probably just like a, a truckload of them. What? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think when you're talking about kids, you can use truckload as a, there's as a few a more lists for you. It's <laughs> a quantifier quantifier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Thoughts. I got nowhere else. I've been I've been setting this whole thing up, <laughs> setting it all up just to put the work on me and make yep. me actually think the thoughts at 10 p.m. on a Wednesday night. I'm in the hot seat, but you're the one sweating. I'm, I'm really the one. That's yep. Yeah, that's uh, that's the case of it. Sh- uh, sh- uh, sh- Spatzen. Sh- uh, Schwetz. Schwetz. You're the one Schwetzen. That's Yiddish for sweating. You're Schwetzen. You're in the Schwetz seat. I'm in the hot seat. Makes sense. Uh, so what do you think? What's uh, what's what's the world going to be doing? I think we've talked about this mm-hmm. before, but this is the episode where we actually address this. Yeah. I, I have trouble seeing a world where movie theaters in some shape or form do not exist. I think there's always going to be some sort of market for that theater experience. The yeah. actual immersing yourself in a movie experience mm-hmm. with huge screen and good quality sound well and that's there's another aspect we're getting to the point in society like the the thing with movie theaters is the fact that it's a big screen mm-hmm. and good sound surround sound happened actually pretty early i think i i did not put it in there but it was like in the 40s when surround sound started happening hmm. it was early okay. um and so i uh, don't quote me on the 40s thing but it was mm-hmm. definitely or it was way earlier than i expected i was reading mm-hmm. and i was like oh shit um so the the world is now adjusting to that too because mm-hmm. now we have these giant ass like curved tvs like fancy tvs smellivision which was a thing in the 60s or 70s yeah. um <laughs> I saw that. I thought that was a joke until doing this research. And I saw that it's like, literally you have this little card with like eight or some number of little like scratch off things Yep. that it'll say like one, like numbered one through eight. And it'll say when this number pops up on the screen, scratch it, smell it. It's like, that's so stupid and awesome at the same time. It's conflicting (laughs) how awesome that is, how immersive that would be. 
Yep. To just be like, I can smell the world. I get mm-hmm. like we're in a garden right now, and I can smell the like the irises. I was thinking of the escape scene from Shawshank Redemption where he crawls through the oh pipe. no, <laughs> the entire theater just smells like <laughs> literal feces. Yeah. Um, and you can get a good five one, uh, five point one, which is a five point of sound mm-hmm. speaker system. 250 bucks yeah that's not unachievable yeah that's uh it's a solid i mean that's like a decent tv price like i played you this blade runner 2049 Mm -hmm. sound with my system Mm -hmm. it's not imax but it's damn near close to like the stadium like the the grand theaters yeah and i mean you can get really good screen and sound experiences but it's just a different atmosphere. Mm-hmm. You know, you go to a place to watch a movie that is holding your undivided attention. Hopefully. Hopefully. Unless you really just need to know what Gutentag means. <laughs> 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 you just really need uh, to know. It's just eating at you. I was I was thinking more of the mom in front of us that was not paying attention in Incredibles 2 and spent the entire movie on her Snapchat. Yep. That was, ah, uh, people. Yeah. Anyway. anyway, no, I, <laughs> I think, I think there is something to be said for just going to a movie as an ephemeral experience. You kind of, you separate yourself from the world for two hours and yeah. watch a movie and you don't think about. Cause there else. is that element of, if you're watching it at home, even if it's a new movie, there's that like, Oh, I can pause and go to the bathroom. Yeah. There you, you, you lose that, uh, kind of almost unbreakable barrier mm-hmm. or like that risk that like, man, I got to pee, but like, apparently this guy's about to jump into a machine that basically complicates the entire movie. Mm-hmm. And I cannot get over that guy that walked back in the middle of act three. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dude has no idea what's going on right now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I, 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 yeah, that makes sense that just there, there is, which I think we're trying, we need to figure out the point of this episode is to figure out mm-hmm. really like distill down to a single understanding of why the movie experience is so irreplaceable. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of on this direction, uh, I asked Hannah or I told her what our episode was going to be about. And she contributed the point that she, this is going to sound very unrelated, but I think it's going to tie back in. Mm-hmm. Um, she does not like going to movies in the daytime because she doesn't like coming out of the theater when it's still light outside. It like, it's a sharp cutoff on the emotion. Yeah, no, I, I do. I get that feeling too. And I, I know what she means. It's hard to pin down exactly what it is, but I think it is like you go into this darkened room and it's all about the movie and it like, it focuses your attention really sharply. You get into a completely different headspace and you come out in the daylight and you feel like, okay, well now I'm back part of the real world mm-hmm. and there's that sharp cutoff and it does feel a little unnatural. It's a little weird. You come out at night and like there's still that darkness and um, you're just a little more, I guess, alone with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I can't pin down exactly what it is still, but like it speaks to the fact that there is just some different level that you experience. In it's a, a visceral a escapism. Yeah. It like you people go to movies for escapism all the time. Mm-hmm. Um that's kind of the, I would say, the paramount reason people go. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the, the universal reason. Like us. And the... Uh... Nice. <laughs> 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 I 
And the Blumhouse reason? Oh, that didn't work. <laughs> the Columbia reason. The Fox reason, except that doesn't exist anymore. That still kind of exists. No, it's just 20th Century. <laughs> was it Spotlight Studios? 20th Century Studios. Oh, gross. Um, but it's visceral escapism where mm-hmm. you... It's the end of your day. Mm-hmm. And you kind of, if you're, if we're going a little bit more fantastical with it, you leave the movie theater and then you go to bed and mm-hmm. you're kind of, you're kind of left with your dreams. You're, mm-hmm. it's that like, it's, it's an early conscious breach into the dream world. That's actually a really good way to put it because I find that when I come out of a movie and we're going to go review it, I try to keep myself in sort of that quote unquote dream state for mm-hmm. as long as possible. And so ahead of time, before I go into the movie, I will turn off my radio or my audio mm-hmm. or whatever's playing in the car. Cause I would want to get in and I don't want that to yeah. wake me up. That's actually, it's a really nice analogy for it. I like, I like that. Hell yeah. Love when that happens. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it is. And I think that's, that's the, that I think that, I think it does distill down to that. I'm not going to say that's the end of it yet. Like our, yeah. like our anxiety one yet, but that definitely does get us kind of close to what the distilled mm-hmm. reason is. Yeah. Cause it does that also like the, 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 um, conscious dream world does tie into going to the movie theater because it's something that pulls you out of the real world of your house. Mm-hmm. If you're watching something, it's really real life, but you're just kind of, you're, you're seeing something, but if you right. leave and you go to a place that's unfamiliar and kind of fantastical in a way mm-hmm. with those seats and the, the big, like, the curtain mm-hmm. and Maria Menounos. And <laughs> Hashtag free Maria. <laughs> we need to find out who that new lady is. Do you yeah. remember her name? You don't remember her name? Naria Nanunos. Naria Nanunos. No, because she's the Nanu. Nanunos. You go to that this location that's that that is just so different from your life. If it... If it, I mean, this goes beyond just movies. This goes to mm-hmm. like concerts and operas and stuff like that. Yeah. It's similar to that, where it's just this strange setting that you're familiar with, but it's still strange. It's the difference between seeing a movie and experiencing a movie. Yeah, it's the difference between seeing or listening to music and experiencing music. Yeah. And you're doing it with people. I think there's a like people are generally getting more into psychology and sociology here, but people mm-hmm. are generally, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Infatuated by the fact of social gathering things as introvert or extrovert as you might be. Mm-hmm. You want to feel like you're part of this community. That's all experiencing something at the same time. Yeah. It feels very different when I go watch a movie with you, when I go watch one alone. Yeah. It's, um, and, and so when you go to a theater, you're entering this dream world that, if you're just watching at home, you're just watching the movie. Yeah. But you are communally wa- experiencing this dream world with people. Mm-hmm. And whether what whether people think it's a, like a, agree whether it's a good movie or not, um you're still experiencing this dream world altogether and you mm-hmm. have this connection with people that is unspoken for the most part. Hopefully. Unless you're some weird creep guy that just turns around and starts talking to you in the theater. That ever happened to you? Not to me. I I don't think I've ever had it happen. But I feel like if it has happened, it might have happened, but I've repressed it because it I don't want to odd- talk to people. <laughs> that sounds too oddly specific. <laughs> um, Did someone hurt you? <laughs> Show me on the doll where they touched you. Oh, God. 
Um, but I think it is. It's a communal. It's a communal dream world. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Experience. Uh, it's. It's the same reason you you do things where people you you flock with people. It's the same reason when you're in a um. So, let's say you're in New York City. Why? Let's say you're in San Francisco. Why? <laughs> let's say you're in jack shit Missouri. <laughs> sure. Jack shit Missouri. <laughs> big city. Bigger than San Francisco. Bigger than New York. How? It's a big, <laughs> big old city. Big old fantasy city. And you're walking along and there's this like, th- this person doing something weird. You can, whatever you want to do, if it's like a street performer or a person having a seizure on the ground or something, it's like some strange thing happening. Mm-hmm. And there's no one watching. You'll kind of like look and kind of be like, all right, well, that's a thing that happened. But if there's a group of people flocking around this event, you're going to get drawn to it mm-hmm. and you're going to stay and watch it as well. Yeah. Because there's this 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 phenomenon, I guess, where we're just kind of tethered to each other when it comes to... It's a gravity of attention. Yeah. And like the people in the orbit there, like they kind of connect. Yeah. Like I'm imagining, you know, a scenario, someone is having just a seizure on the, on the sidewalk and there's a group of people. I'm just, I'm just going to put this in my, for myself, for my mm-hmm. own sanity. There is one person, there's a medical person taking care of the person with the seizure. Yes. There's not just a bunch of assholes staring at the seizing person. <laughs> yes. But like, no, you walk up to the group and the first thing, the first thing you say is, should we do something? You immediately yeah. are part of that group. That's yeah. just the instinctive response. You're, you're, you're tethered by some, uh, some, some experience, some strange experience. Right. Yeah. And, and that, and that, and that, that's the, the, all of that to say the point of that with the movies is like, you don't get that, that tether to the experience mm-hmm. with other people that you do when you're at home. Right. Unless um, it's like very specific circumstances. And, I mean, you could it, get that can, when, but... like when for Game of Thrones, when we had a whole bunch of people over to my house, mm-hmm. it kind of did almost mirror that when we had the projector, yeah. which made everything seem darker, which made the Battle of Winterfell literally just my wall. Yep. <laughs> it's lovely. I can count all the little ridges and dots. and. <laughs> yeah. Um, But it's... To experience it, you need that people that that group of people to tether you to this experience, mm-hmm. it, to enter this dream world with more people, um, and that's something that just happens at movie theaters. Mm-hmm. And whether people do it consciously or not, I think that that is kind of what drives people to movies. Yeah. Um, going back to my girlfriend's first point, where she does it as a social experience, uh, social experience. Mm-hmm. What's that social experiment? Uh, as a as a social thing, where she goes with friends, so that that is a bit more of a conscious drive of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, so her other point that it's just a movie she wants to see, that's kind of inconsequential to the point we're making. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm just going to ignore that. Yeah. Thanks for that point, honey, but <laughs> completely <laughs> useless for this conversation. <laughs> um, but for people that are just like, you know what? I just want to go watch a movie. Like, mm-hmm. and so like you mentioned, it's different when you go to see it with me and versus alone. Yeah. There's still that drive that unconscious drive to go experience it with a group of people. Yeah. Even if you don't know them. Right. Yeah. I need a sentence to sum all of this up. Movies are dreams. Movies, a movie, the movie theater experience allows people to communally experience a dream world. Close. Right. 
I'll take it. It's a, There's it's a definitely a better thesis, one, and yeah. I feel like I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> come back to it in like three years and just go. The fuck does that mean? <laughs> I feel like I'm gonna come back in three days and be like, boy, that one didn't make any sense, did nope. it? Nope. <laughs> ah. Uh, I'm satisfied. Yeah, no, that felt interesting and conclusive in yeah. some sense. It's it's a topic we'll probably end up revisiting at some point. But. Probably. I mean, this is the second time we've talked about this. I think we've talked about the general Netflix and movie theater conflict. Yeah. But it was when we had less of an less of a, a tactic for our episodes to come up with a thesis. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Well, shallst we? We shallst. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Tune in next week for episode 150, the mystery topic. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be vicious. We've been going to either end up killing each other live on air on video. I feel like I'm more demonstrative than you are. So if anything, I'm probably going to throw something at you. I believe it. And I fully (laughs) intend to deserve it by the end of the episode. (laughs) Uh, that's gonna, it's going to be good. It's going to be exciting. I feel like we've talked it up for so long. It's going to end up being a letdown. You know what? What? We should tell them what it is. So if they have any ideas, we should get them excited. So we are going to have our long discussed debate on Mm -hmm. whether or not art is subjective or objective. Yep. Can art, whether that be, we're going to define it a bit more Mm -hmm. concretely in the episode. Can art, which is movies or music or other art Mm -hmm. stuff be, factually good or factually bad or is it up to complete opinion we're not going to tell you guys which i think long-time listeners would know where we stand on it but um if people go back and listen to the last few episodes they don't know right so we can leave it ambiguous as to who believes in what which one of us is wrong both of us art does not exist that's my boss yeah i buy it my boss is art <laughs> so that's what we're talking about it's gonna that's be next great. week uh leave in comments or email us your thoughts mm-hmm. you finish it it's your bit yeah uh email those thoughts to just us losers pod at gmail.com that's the place where we receive emails we actually received an email this past week we did uh we should probably talk about that because i haven't read it yet we'll do it next week <laughs> Good. Sorry, Mark. Letting down our longtime listener. Well, hang on. No, that'll be good because we can play it at 150 and like we start actually dealing with we fan start actually dealing with fan yeah. stuff and make people think. Yeah, there we go. I'll put it ah. in my I'll put it in my notes. Cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So uh uh send us send us your thoughts on the great subjectivity objectivity debate. Um. We'll we'll get into that next week. Um. It's gonna be gonna be good stuff. Um, you can find us on social media. You can actually find us there now. Things are happening. Our social media team is doing great work. Preston over there is not doing great work right now. He's really making it difficult for me to do my job, and I'm just gonna I'll I'll wait. <laughs> you can find us on Instagram at Justice Losers Pod, where you can meet our host, Preston. If you're a new listener, That's welcome me. to the show. That's me. Leave now before you get sucked in forever. It's me. there's a little explainer explaining what preston is what his deal is why he is no it doesn't do that it literally just (laughs) says what my favorite several things are (laughs) yeah uh we're on in a really good picture of me it really is it's a that is the best picture of me that has ever existed it's a really nice one um yeah there's our our new logo is up there so you can check that it looks pretty slick uh shout out to our social media team who are killing it so far 
going to give them very a impressed with their work. Fucking shout out. Yep. Next week. Yeah. Zeds. Yeah, it's good. Uh, we're on Twitter at Justice Losers Pod, where our social media team is running things, so we can't yell at Enemy of the Show Rob Liefeld. So do it for us. Yeah. At Enemy of the Show Rob Liefeld. That's his actual bad things. <laughs> I should make a, I should make an actual run to the mic. Oh God! I just kicked a symbol. Again. Uh, I should make an actual Twitter account called Enemy of the Show Rob Liefeld. <laughs> is that a that's a long handle? Yeah. Don't do that right now. Okay, it's gonna happen. That's not my mouse. Uh, you can you can follow at Enemy of the Show Rob Liefeld for all of our honest thoughts right from the mouth of Rob Liefeld himself. Um, not I'm that. just I'm just gonna retweet all of his stuff with just me shitting all over the way he is. <laughs> uh, um, let's see. We're on Facebook, Just Us Losers. You can. I don't think there's like a handle you know how to search on on facebook and find us that's yeah you understand the ways of social media at this point in your your life you wise human you um yeah i'm gonna eventually have enough time to actually post movie reviews and i want to do like a almost like a weekly thing where i just sort of talk about stuff for on movies matt's monday movie musings it's a it's a, it's a little little dream of mine that I feel like there's gonna be one of those days where you just kind of like mull about like some sad stuff in your life. Yep, it's gonna be like out of nowhere. Like it'll be like an episode, or like it'll be a thing on like Wonder Woman. It'll be a thing on another movie, and it'll be a really sad thing about your life, and then like immediately back into like a Pixar movie, and we're just like Matt, what the fuck happened? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, that's uh that'll that'll happen eventually. Maybe maybe I should kick that off next week. Yeah, you know, it's a good time to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. So that that look forward to that coming to Facebook. Uh, we're on. I didn't even. Oh man, I'm all on my rhythm because we started with the the episode thing. You can find this podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio. That's the the other new one that apparently yeah. we're also on. And like, I don't know, literally anywhere. I got an email today that Amazon Music does podcasts now, so we're probably on that. I'm gonna check it. Um. Hope we're on that. That'd be pretty cool. Um, do you think if we put it on there, like as actual like paid downloads, people we could trick people in paying for it, not realizing it, we're on SoundCloud <laughs> or Spotify or, <laughs> or Spotify or <laughs> iHeartRadio or literally anything Podbean else, or all those. Yeah, we should we should try that. Uh, we have a Patreon if you want to give us money and not be tricked into it. Um, don't really know where that's at or what's happening with that. Yeah, ignore that. We're gonna get there eventually. We do not have a Patreon. Ignore the wow. Patreon behind the curtain. That's weird. What? So I just typed in Just Us Losers into Amazon. Mm-hmm. I got SpongeBob. <laughs> I literally got season three, two, and five of SpongeBob. And also Radical Metabolism, a powerful new plan to blast fat and reignite your energy in just 20. 20- I'm not fat. Hmm. Hmm. Let's end this episode. Yeah, let's uh, let's let's put it out of its misery. Um, it's all the things I'm supposed to have said at this point in the episode. I think so. Yep. I can safely say thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.